previously on Growing Up Gilmore. Because she is a photographer, she has the ability to look at things from a different perspective. Uh-huh. That's like what why it helps so much to have done theater and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, because I think she sees something in Luke and Lorelai that they do not see themselves yet. She notices that Luke is wearing his new belt. He says, oh yeah, the old one broke. Ma'am, why are you looking? And she looked, you're right. And why did your belt break? Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Amy. And this is Elise. And we are Growing Up Gilmore. This week we have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Bryn. I'm Amy's husband, who you might have heard about on the podcast before or off the podcast. (laughs) And I'm here to provide some much-needed male perspective to this very estrogen-filled podcast, so... This estrogen-filled world. We'll see how that goes. We need more male perspective. perspective. Yeah, I feel like like men's voices are not heard (laughs) as often as they need to be, so... On this podcast? In general, really. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you're you're going to mansplain Gilmore Girls to us? You know, I might. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Just kidding, Bryn. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for introducing yourself, Bryn. We'll have you uh, share all your socials at the end, because I know you're really big on that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this week we are tackling season one Episode 21, Love Daisies and Troubadours. We did it, everyone. We made it to the finale. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. Let's buckle up. I know. It's a big one. There's a lot of things that happen in the next, like, 45 minutes. Uh, So much so that we are planning on making this a two-parter. Not really sure where it will end. We're going to kind of go with the natural ebb and flow here because there's so much to dissect and we'll just see where we run out of steam basically (laughs) (laughs) so without further ado Elise take it away with the writer and director for our lovely finale okay so this is Amy and Dan Palladino so Amy directed my fun fact about Amy is that her mom is named Mabelin isn't that oh, cute? I love that. It's yeah. the cutest name. So her mom was a classical dancer. Amy started off as a classical dancer, mm-hmm. but then quit to write for Roseanne. Her dad was a comedian, so she kind of fell down that path. So, so she got, like, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. And she's also um, sort of Jewish, Jewish, she said. She was oh, raised mm-hmm. kind of Jewish. So that's my fun facts. I gave more than one. Okay. Those were fun. Yeah. I think this is the first episode we've had where Amy and Dan have worked together. I believe so. Yeah. Amy, this would be like if we wrote an episode together. Yeah, I guess it would, yeah. What do you think it'd be about? Um, I probably would have Dean move and have (laughs) Max Medina get fired and then Laura. Get hit by a bus on the way out. Yeah. (laughs) You're only saying that because we saw Mean Girls last night. I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe. Okay, so we have an Amy and Dan episode. Lots happen. The only sad thing about this episode is we do not have any Emily or Richard. But the last few episodes have been pretty heavy Emily and Richard. So That is kind of weird, though, that they end the season without Emily and Richard, though, because they are such a big part of mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, we'll see what happens with them in season two. Well, we didn't even see Richard in Wonderland, did no, we? No, we didn't. No, we Edward Herman is in very high demand. Well, and his intro says special appearance by Edward Herman. Right, it's just a little subtle way of reminding you that he's better than... <laughs> <laughs> he is better. He's the best. He's he very just hits com- different. He's very accomplished. Yeah. He does hit different. If you've ever looked up his... Like resume on IMDb or which I'm sure you have. Yeah. But well, and the other thing too, I don't know if we've talked about, but Edward Herman and Kelly Bishop both won a Tony in the same year. And I love this picture because they're like standing next to each other with their Tony awards. And you're like, you don't even know. Yeah. In the future, you're going to be married and have a child who has a child out of wedlock. And you don't even know. Like fictionally. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Tony, 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 Tony. Soprano. S- soprano. <laughs> I was thinking of the tiger. Mm. Oh, sure. I think it's about time that we get started. Mm. Okay, here we go. Our finale opens with Lorelai in bed, and there's this pounding noise. Ooh. <laughs> That's my joke. And she gets up, goes downstairs, tries to wake up Rory. And she's like, how are you sleeping through that? And she's like, what am I, what are you talking about? She says, the blue man group's outside, pounding away. She says, I was sleeping through it. Lorelai goes to the door and finds Luke fixing their porch rail because he said it was broken and someone could get hurt. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, it was broken. But why are you fixing it at 6.30 in the morning? He said, this is the only time I had to fix it. So I came over to fix it. And she says, we don't, we don't like to be up early in the morning. We need sleep. It makes us pretty. It makes us feel better. Luke just sits back and lets her go off on him because she hasn't had her coffee yet and he knows better. And he sits there and she tries to go back inside and like slam the door in his face, but the door is locked. She starts yelling for Rory. Rory comes to the door. Babette comes out and says, Lorelai, you're waking up the whole neighborhood. And she's like, yeah, but... And she looks back, and Luke is gone. And Rory's like, okay, let's go inside. And she's like, but he was here. Let's go see the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) She was here. He was just here. He was pounding on the thing. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Was he really there? I, I don't... I'm so confused by this opening scene. Yeah, this is such a bizarre... This isn't a show that really entertains, like, surrealism that much. Mm-hmm. Where, when they do, it's later on. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, like with the Paul Anka thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I just noticed this time she even says, you're not... You don't exist. Yep. Which I, I feel like is maybe telling us that this isn't really happening. Right. So did she sleepwalk, though? Is this all a... This is my question. Is this all a dream? Or is she sleepwalking and then had, like, a mental breakdown talking to Luke outside her porch? 
in her mind because that's probably something I would do too. Well, yeah, because it begs the question of is her subconscious telling her something Mm -hmm. or is this or was he really there? Because he is there later. And he just like doing projects and he just like wanted to mess with her and snuck off. I don't know. It's weird. I lean on the side of he wasn't really there. They must have, like, been talking about it, and she... Yeah, maybe. That he was going to come fix stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just strange that she would go and wake up Rory, and Rory did acknowledge that she was sleeping through it. Well, she did... Rory did say... Um, she goes, how are you sleeping through this? And Rory said, through, through what? what? Right. Yeah, Rory never actually confirms that anything is happening. Yeah. And everyone's acting like she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Which, also, I want to say you could have done a better bad, uh, bad bet when you were recapping this. Um, Honey, you're waking up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> there we go. Which, by the way, when Lorelai is being like carted off and she screams, I'm not crazy. I just want to crib a line from the Game Grumps where the one thing you should not shout when trying to prove to someone that you're cra- that you're not crazy is I'm not crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I feel for Lorelai because I would, you know, I I totally promote having imaginary conversations with Luke. Yeah, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> Interactions. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that whether this is real or not, it kind of sets a tone for the episode by saying... This is going to be a heavy Luke and Lorelai episode. Mm -hmm. There's going to be things that happen here to them individually that will affect them together as well. I can't wait to get into it all. I know. It's so good. It's a lot. So It is. (laughs) Next, we are with our girls at the Dragon... Not the Dragonfly Inn. Next, we are with... Lorelai at the Independence Inn, and we are seeing Michel not quite himself. He says he is suffering from ennui, and he says it's a physical angst, and goes into this long monologue about how usually he can deal with these people and, you know, can accept that the mere pennies that are thrown at him are enough to get him through. But today, no, he has ennui. As a call center worker, that monologue speaks to me. (laughs) I thought of you. I know. (laughs) I thought you would enjoy that. I've always felt of all the characters in the show, I identify the most with Michelle. And every scene that I watch with him just proves it more and more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that you have said that entire monologue without actually saying that entire monologue. Right, up to and including the part where I express that I have ennui. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Lorelai decides that he needs coffee, and she pushes him into the kitchen, and Suki's sitting there, and Lorelai's like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, call me crazy, but I think I have ennui. And Lorelai's like, Michelle, you cannot tell Suki how you're feeling because you know she starts to feel how that person is feeling. And Suki's like, that's not true. And then Lorelai reminds her that she had to explain to Suki last week that she does not have a prostate. 
Because I'm guessing Al from Al's Pancake World was having his prostate checked or something. And it's like, why do people know this? But it's a small town, so who knows? What else do they have to talk about Uh, besides their prostates? Gross. A lot, (laughs) I would hope. I don't know. People only have like six hours of conversation in them. Eventually, the well runs dry. I Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess. (laughs) So, at that point... She dismisses Michelle, and she gets a phone call. Lorelai gets a phone call, and it's from Max Medina. Max Medina. It's Max Medina. Max Medina. I just want to point out that in my notes for this episode, at this part, I literally just have Max's name written, and there's hearts around it. Oh, my God. (laughs) God. (laughs) So he calls Lorelai. And he says, I just had a second, but I just wanted to, you know, check in with you, see how you're doing, whatever. And they talk about how it's so hard being apart and that they miss each other and they're having withdrawals and blah, 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 blah. And then they do that really annoying thing that people do where they're like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You are grown adults. Hang up the phone. (laughs) They talk about their relationship like it's a drug problem. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of underscores the problems that they have as a couple. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's not love, it's an addiction. Yeah, I agree right. with that. And mm. we talked about this in the last episode where we said Max Medina isn't a bad guy, but he's not the right guy for Lorelai. I haven't heard the last episode. Because I think it just <laughs> went up this morning. came out today. <laughs> Max, you are not the bad guy, but you are bad guy. Right. Yeah. I... Yeah, I, I like Max a lot as a person, and that's kind of one of the dynamics of this episode might be me sticking up for him a bit more than my lovely co-hosts have been. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that his relationship with Lorelai is very toxic, and I think some of that comes from him. I think a lot of it comes from Lorelai, but we'll be able to talk about that more. Yeah. Elise is like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know why you like him so much. I don't know. I think he's a good dude. I, I guess when I watch this show, I think I sympathize a bit more with the male characters than you two might. Mm-hmm. Just because I have been in the position of, Attempting to court a lady and... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, and just, you know, just trying to, like, navigate that world and that environment, especially, you know, encroaching on sort of, like, Lorelai's life, like, what she has already. Mm-hmm. And I have felt that way in the past in my own relationships. So it's just not entirely to the same degree that Max does just with that situation. But... I don't know. I, I I think I sympathize with him a bit more. Same with Dean, which I know he hasn't come up in the episode yet, but that has been a thing that I felt through that throughout this entire season. I think Dean is a little prick, but <laughs> but he's also a teenage boy, and I remember being a teenage boy and having those just the insecurities and the the lack of common sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say that you have? More common sense now or less? I think I have more. (laughs) I mean, you've heard the stories about me. You've heard me, like, pushing my car into a swamp. 
Yeah, Bryn's got some good stories, but mm-hmm. we'll save that for off the record. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so Lorelai hangs up the phone with Max, and Suki says, "You look happy." She's like, "I am happy." What's the opposite of ennui? And Suki goes, "Off we." <laughs> I'm cured. (laughs) And that's where it ends. And I'm so glad that we get to see Suki again because we haven't seen her for a few episodes. Mm -hmm. And when we did see her, it was not a lot. It was pretty short and sweet. And I think Suki always does a great job of helping Lorelai kind of sort through things. She's kind of like her Greek chorus almost. Oh, totally. Like helping her process, helping her realize, helping her see, helping her see what is right in front of her. Yeah. Yeah, I think Suki is a great foil for Lorelai because I think Suki is a very, not like simple person, but she's very straightforward. Yeah. And, you know, she has nuance, but I don't think she's... She's not someone who, like, dwells in how complicated she is. No. Or thinks that she is. Right. Which I think Lorelai does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, like, even her relationship with Jackson, I think, is a great contrast to all of Lorelai's relationships, which are so complicated. She yeah. balances Lorelai out. Mm-hmm. In the sense of that. Yeah, she has her head on very straight. And also what's cool about how she's written is that they kind of make her a little bit, like, clumsy and a little bit seem, like, bubbly bubbly and kind of almost ditzy, Mm -hmm. but she's not. No. Like, she gives, like, Lorelai straight advice that's, like, practical. Yeah, and even by this point, you're sort of seeing them wean off of the, like, the whole running joke with her in the first few episodes was how clumsy she was and how accident-prone she was. And I feel like we haven't really seen that from her in a while. No, we haven't, actually. That's a good point. Which is nice, because I feel like clumsiness is often just, like, a go-to trait for writers to be like, how do we give this character a flaw? Well, let's mm-hmm. just make them clumsy. But, like, being clumsy is not a personality trait. It's just, <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's like a motor yeah. function. Well, and part of me, too, wonders if it was, like, a, we need we need Suki to have... Something that makes her like a sidekick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, her sidekick is going to be this clumsy chef, whatever. And it's like, no, I don't think that you need to have that. I think she can she can stand on her own. And I wonder if some of that was they weren't. Melissa McCarthy was not their first choice. So I almost wonder if it was like. They played that up for Melissa McCarthy. Although in the unaired pilot, Alex Borstein is still like a klutz. But I think maybe it was amplified more with Mm -hmm. Melissa McCarthy to kind of find like this balance of you are good at what you do. Yeah. But let's, you know. I was actually going to say, I wonder if maybe that character trait came up more when Alex Borstein was supposed to play the character. Just because I feel like... I'm not saying this derogatorily, but I feel like Alex Borstein's acting style is more of a clown. Yeah. So I I think that brings in, like, more slapsticky kind of opportunities, whereas... Well, and she had, like, a a long, 
list of things she had done, and Mad TV is very physically demanding, you know, comedic-wise. And it's kind of ironic now because basically every movie that Melissa McCarthy has made now, where she is, like, the writer or the producer or whatever, like, half the jokes is her just getting the crap beaten out of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Either by people or by the environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting... Dan and, I guess I should say Amy, created this great dynamic between Suki and Lorelai that really evolves over the first season. And then I think this is the episode where we kind of see, like, this solidified dynamic now. Mm-hmm. where Suki is kind of the voice of reason for Lorelai, telling her what she's seeing because Lorelai does not check in with herself enough to be like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, I am happy, or yeah, you're right, I, I need to talk to Rory about all of this money, like all of these different things. Suki is the one that provides her with the insight that she does not give herself time to process on her own. Yeah. But it's for me, it's interesting too, because I watch Lorelai and I'm like, and it, maybe it's just the scenes that we see, but this doesn't seem very like, um, she doesn't deal it out to Suki. She doesn't check in with Suki very much. No. Like how Suki is very intuitive with Lorelai and is like asking questions actively about her life. Lorelai does not do that. I no. have something to say about that, but we'll save it for when Lane is introduced in okay. this episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can we also mention that when she was taught, when Lorelai was talking on the phone with Max and she was like, mm, t- they were kind of getting kind of dirty. Mm-hmm. And she's like, tonight I'll be the gypsy queen. What, what does that mean, Amy? I think that's from the musical Gypsy. Okay. So is this like, what does that mean though? I don't know. I've never seen Gypsy, so I don't know. I haven't either, but I don't like that. I know. <laughs> She's like, but tonight I'll... Like, was so he was Gypsy Queen last night? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm well, not sure. Well, and it's also a slur, too, which, yeah. which yeah. you guys mentioned in the first episode the when first Gypsy episode. was introduced. Yeah, but in this instance, it is, is a, a slur. It's not a name. Right. Right. Which... Yeah. Which now, this is only the second podcast I've been on, but we have continued the trend of 100% of the podcast I'm on having to explain that Gypsy is a slur. True, you're right. Yeah. Uh, It's just, I don't know, they're weird. And of course, their dirty talk is going to be like books and movies, because... Nerds. Of course it is, (laughs) you know? I don't know. So I think this is a good place for us to put a pin in that because that's not the only time we see Max and we will have a lot more to say the next time we see him. My only other thought I wanted to share is that if I were in Stars Hollow, I'd rather hang out with Suki than with Lorelai. Oh, okay. That's a hot take. (laughs) Whoa. That's only because she would cook you nice meals. I think she'd be more interesting to talk to. I think think you would get along with Lorelai because she's seen so much. Yeah, but I think we'd end up competing. (laughs) Competing for what? Luke? Jokes. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. 
you know, just two very... Oh, yeah, two jokesters. Yeah, two very extreme personalities just one-upping each other with... So this would be like a Ruinin. Or stupid... Or lie dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Ruin and Michelle. Yeah. I'd hang out with Michelle, too. Yeah. What about Kirk? I'd hang out with him, but I don't think it would happen by my choice. I think it would just sort of come into existence. Oh, Kirk's nice. <laughs> You're the only one that's disturbed, Kirk. <laughs> we are back at home with the Gilmore Girls, and they are discussing dreams that they had. Lorelai says she had a weird dream that they were, or that she was at like a KFC, and then she starts going into that, and then Rory kind of cuts her off to then say, oh, yeah, I had a weird dream, too, where we were swimming in, like, honey or oil or something. It wasn't water. And then Lorelai cuts her off and says, oh, you did the thing where someone starts talking about their dream and then you start talking about yours and then it becomes all about your dream. Well, what about my dream? And I know that Bryn and I have had conversations like this where... One of us is Lorelai and the other is Rory. I think we take turns, but that is how a lot of our conversations go. Yeah, I think that's something everybody does. Yeah. It's just funny that Lorelai is like, you just did the thing that everybody does. I need to monopolize this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They uh, begin to talk about her dream, and there's a mechanic in her dream, and she's trying to figure out who this was because it was based on a real person in Stars Hollow. And she can't figure out who it was. So she goes outside, and lo and behold, Luke is leaning over the rooftop of their home, fixing their shingles, and they're trying to figure out who this guy is. And they're having this back and forth on who he is. And this makes me think that the beginning was establishing the time of day for this scene mm-hmm. because Bryn was like, is this a new day already? And we were yeah, it's a new day. She has a new outfit on. This is the morning before they go to school. But the opening happens at 630 in the morning and Luke is there doing work. Well, he would probably be there at 630 in the morning here too. Because he has a whole diner to run. It's very consistent, that Luke. Yes, he is. Very consistent. And I almost think that the opening scene kind of helps us follow a timeline for then this scene that we're discussing right now. But this back and forth makes you wonder, why is Luke here? And we know why he's there, but... Upon your first watch, you're probably like, uh, don't you have, like, a diner to run? Don't you have, like, a girlfriend at a diner waiting for you? And here you are at Lorelai's house all the time working on stuff for her. That's kind of weird. Okay, Emily. Yeah. (laughs) And while they're having this back and forth, Rory is going to the closet, and she finds the Dean box. And she looks inside. Lorelai comes back in, and she says, Listen, you're going to want those things someday, and I didn't want to get rid of them because there are things I wish I had kept, 
and didn't keep. And so I kept it all here for you. And I put it next to the Max box so they could talk to each other and support each other. Like, ah, oh, we both had a Gilmore girl and we both lost a Gilmore girl and they were spending time together. And Rory doesn't say anything. Well, she says, thank you. And then gives Lorelai a kiss on the cheek and goes into her room. And that's where it ends with Lorelai. Rory then sits on her bed and we get the great Sam Phillips la-la-las, the sad la-la-las that Sam Phillips does. And she starts pulling things out of the box, like the dress and Colonel Clucker and, of course, the cornstarch. And you can tell that she is starting to piece together how maybe she really does feel. And I think while she got the opportunity to wallow, I think this is her first time really kind of reflecting on the end of their relationship. Yeah. I think there's a point in relationships after it's broken up where you reach a point where then you can kind of look back on it fondly. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. Although, in her case, Dean is still very much available. Right. And so if this is stirring up any feelings, which we'll soon see, mm-hmm. not to give anything away. Lorelai tells Rory, I want you to be op- the kind of person that can be able to say I love you. Right. You know, so I think maybe that planted the seed of being more open to reconsidering Dean. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because she does say, like, I don't want you to be like me in the way that you can't commit to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Commitment issues. Mm -hmm. I wonder what stuff Lorelai wants to keep from her past relationships. If there's anything from Christopher, I think he gave her the ultimate souvenir, so. Oh. Oh. (laughs) But no, I think what's interesting is that Lorelai was like, see, your Dean box and my Max box can, you know, they can commiserate together because they both had a Gilmore girl and lost a Gilmore girl. But Max has Lorelai back. Right. It's weird that she phrases it, it that way. I think so, too. Yeah. Max gets girl. Max loses girl. Max gets girl again. Yeah. the arc of this series right now. Yeah. But she's still living in like that he lost her. I think that's subconscious. Mm-hmm. A Freudian slip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we know is not, not on purpose. You know, like Dan wrote it that way. Yeah. So I think that that's pretty telling. It just, it's weird. It's like when... They serial killers or something when they ask, like, if someone, like, murdered someone and then they talk about them in the past tense, but they don't know. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. No, just cut that Are out. you saying Lorelai is a serial killer? <laughs> no, I watch a lot of true crime. So, like, if they're interviewing, like, the husband or the wife and they're, like, they, they're, they're, they're missing or whatever, they'll be like, well, they'll be talking about their spouse in past tense, but no, even, no one even knows that they're dead. It's like a telling sign. Yeah, yeah. Nope, I think that's, yeah. I do think that's what's happening here. Because I think in the back of her mind, she still is not sure. And Uh I think this 
episode kind of plays with her coming to this crossroads of if I don't marry him, no one else will marry me. No one else will marry him. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, Max will rebound. He'll find some other parent. He'll oh find, my God. Yeah, he'll find someone. Paris's mom is available. True, Paris's mom is available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, he was engaged once before, and True. that ended because she literally left the country to I'm get away leaving. from him. I'm to get away from him or... I want to say it's because of him, but what do I know? <laughs> we don't know. Right. We don't. But it's fun to imagine, isn't it? We are now with Lane and Rory. So now we're getting the Suki and Lorelai, but Lane and Rory scene. And Lane is telling Rory this story about things that happened at school And Rory kind of cuts her off when they get to the market. And she says, I'm going in. And Lane immediately shifts gears because she's, you know, a good friend and is very supportive of her going into the market. And she's like, you know, Dean could be there or is there. And Rory's like, I know. She's like, you guys are getting back together. And she's so excited. And I know Bryn, you have some thoughts about this, and so I'll get let you get to those thoughts before we go into the market itself. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that I was I noticed a parallel between Rory and Lane's friendship and Suki and Lorelai's friendship where it does feel very one sided and very like, okay, that's nice, those are your problems, but now let's talk about my problems. But I will give Rory credit. I didn't notice this the first time. But when Lane is telling her story about Janie Furtman, at first Rory says, I didn't hear anything you just said. I'm thinking about Dean right now. But then a few lines later, like Lane is like freaking out. And Rory says, if you don't stop freaking out, I'm going to film this and send it to Janie Furtman yeah. for your cheerleading audition. <laughs> so... Props to her. She actually was listening, you know, even if her mind was sort of like drifting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I know Amy and I have had conversations like that where it's the classic, like, did you hear a word I just said? And you're able to repeat verbatim. Yeah, I would say you are able to repeat verbatim. And I think it annoys you it when does. I'm able to do that. Yeah, because I cannot. If my mind is somewhere else, it is there. And not I'll just here. be I'll just be like playing a video game or something, and I'll be like, "Yeah, you told me to take out the trash, and then do this and this and this." <laughs> yeah, Lane is a very good friend. I love Lane. Yeah, I would hang out with Lane before I hung out with Rory. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they go into the grocery, or she goes into the market, and she's kind of looking around and Taylor finds her and says, well, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm looking for the bag boy. And he goes, well, you're fitting like four of the descriptions of a shoplifter. Four of the eight, which I'm sure he has memorized. I, yeah. Four of the eight. And he's like, you're looking around kind of shifty. You have a big bag with you. And If you go back and watch 
and watch this scene. I don't know how many of you like watch as we watch, but there's a woman in the grocery store. It's not a woman. It's like a girl her age. A girl her age. Is it? Yeah. She looked young to me. Well, there's a a female (laughs) walking through the market and she has a massive tote bag. And the whole time she, Rory is talking to Taylor, she is picking cans up and it looks like she's putting them in the bag. Like she is shoplifting. It looks like it, but I think she does have like one of those carry tote shop. Yeah, no, but I just think it's such a funny, like, juxtaposition for what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, Taylor is going to single out Rory and, like, not anybody else. Because he knows Rory and he probably knows that she wouldn't actually be doing that. Yeah, so he's like, I'm just going to call her out on this. Yeah, it's it's like safe. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And he's got to get his power trip in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's like, I just am looking for your bag boy. I just had a question and I didn't want to bother you. So he goes and gets the bag boy and it's a new kid, new guy named Mikey. Team Mikey. And she says, or he says, this is Rory. She needs help or she has a question. And then he's like, and watch her. Like she's going to like steal something. (laughs) So Rory's like, oh, uh, well, I was just wondering, like, how do you like being a bag boy? And he was like, uh, it's okay. And she's like, oh, okay. So maybe I'll cross that off my list of, you know, things I would like to be one day or something. And she just like sprints out of there. Which, by the way, I love the honesty of the bag boy saying he doesn't want to work there (laughs) because I at like every job I've had people just like come up to me and are like do you like working here it's like and I just put on my big stupid like yeah I love it it's great it's like what an inappropriate question to ask (laughs) well and like you work for Taylor Dosey like if he heard you say that you didn't like working there he would fire you I just saw there was a post on the Gilmore Girls subreddit that was like, are we supposed to like Taylor? He seems like kind of a jerk. And I think Taylor is a great example of a great character who is also a horrible person. Yeah. I would not want to hang out with Taylor. No, he's annoying. No. Yeah, no. I no. I know Taylor's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm related to Taylor's. <laughs> uh, thank God no one in your family listens to this. Yeah. Yeah, they're not supportive. <laughs> So Taylor of them. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to stop before he starts name dropping people. I got a list. (laughs) Rory runs out of the market and she's like super upset. She tells Lane he's not there on Thursdays anymore. And she's like, it must be because he has a new girlfriend or one of those she says the word slutty girls, doesn't she? Yeah, I was going to say something about this in this episode. Like, she and Lorelai yep. both throw out, like, the word slut and whore like it's nothing. Yeah. It was yeah. that time, though. It, yeah, but... I feel like that happened a lot in, like, 2000. Yeah, I'm just queasy about it. I know, I it's unfortunate. I think it's interesting for, like, a WB show, mm-hmm. though. Because, like, this was on, like, public TV. Yeah, like, they... I. I always associated, like, WB, like, primetime as, like, it could be a little racy, but it was still 
pretty yeah. family friendly. Well, yeah. I mean, Dawson's Creek was on WB, yeah. and like that was pretty. I guess around the time the show is airing, I watch like Pokemon and Batman on WB, so <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I mean that's fair. You yeah, were my brother's age, so that's pretty much what he watched too. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. I'm not crazy about the language, but at the same time, you're right. It is of its time, and it's not okay. Not saying no, that, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. And we've had this conversation before where we've said these things are not okay, and you know we don't condone that, and. I don't even remember the last time I used the word slutty in, like, conversation. That's just not, like, in my... Yeah, the only time I've heard you say it is when you're quoting The Office. When I'm quoting The Office? Dwight, you ignorant slut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. But she says she's worried that Dean is running off with one of those slutty girls who have their... Boyfriends take Thursdays off at the market so they can spend time together. And she says, Lane, you haven't seen him with anybody else, right? He's not around other girls. You would tell me, right? And Lane's like, yeah, no, I wouldn't tell you because it would break your heart. But he's not around any other girls. And she's like, you swear on the lead singer of Blur? And she's like, I swear on Nico's soul that he's not with any other girls. She's like, okay. And that's where it fades. But it's just, I don't like seeing Rory have this same insecurity with men as Lorelai. Mm-hmm. But in a in a different, it's not the same kind, though. It's different because I think in episode 19, I said, I don't notice Rory overanalyzing very often. No. This is the first time I've seen her overanalyze a situation. Right. I feel like Rory craves validation Mm. in the same way that Lorelai does, but I think it manifests in different ways. I feel like for Rory, it comes off as more desperate. Yeah. On a surface level, it's desperate for Lorelai too. Yeah. But no, I think that's true. I think part of it too, for Rory is she's a teenager. Yeah. You know, And for Lorelai, it's okay. I'm like we said in the last episode, she's 32. Things are winding down for her as far as like years to settle in her mind. And so they have these different finish lines right now in their lives, but they are very similar. Yeah. In that sense. So, hmm. I don't know. I did just want to add with the scene, it's at the very beginning when Lane was talking to Rory, Mm -hmm. but she has that, she's like saying, oh, I wanted to say this to Janie, whatever, but I didn't. I said this. Yeah. And I actually, there is a phrase for this phenomenon. It's called, uh, it's French, so I'm going to butcher that. It's a l'esprit de l'escalier, which translates to staircase wit, and that is when you think of the perfect comeback after the moment is passed. I have staircase wit like chronically. Me too. I, it's such a common thing that of course there's a phrase for it and of course it's French because mm-hmm. they just love to navel gaze so much. I think Bryn probably hears a lot of my 
staircase wit. Yeah. It's like, be like, oh, I'm just so mad. And this is what I should have said. I and always. This, yeah. I and always next time I see them, I'm going to say this. And then you like. The jerk store called. They're running out of you. Yeah. <laughs> I. It always just makes me think of there's another show that Dan Palladino wrote for, which was Family Guy. You might have heard of it, but there's a scene where Peter is getting yelled at by his boss and Peter starts crying. He's like, I'll have your report on your desk right here. And then he's telling it later to his friends and he's like, and then I said, I'll have your report right here. And it's like, God, yeah, very relatable. Mm-hmm. You're always mm-hmm. you're always way cooler and smarter in when the stories you tell after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for for Lane and Rory, I think the difference between their relationship and Suki and Lorelai's relationship is that Lane is young enough to always be supportive no matter what. Because she doesn't have that same life experience that Mm -hmm. Suki has. So she's just immediately all like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. You guys should get back together. Because for Lane, she doesn't have like, well, she says to Rory, like, I live through you because you get to do things I don't get to do. Where with Suki and Lorelai, Suki has known Lorelai for many years at this point. And has seen her screw up a lot at this point and doesn't let her get away with stuff the way that Lane lets Rory get away with it. But yeah. they're just teenagers. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's believable. But Bryn still is wrapping his head around the fact that Lane is like 10 years older than. <laughs> yeah, they're still teenagers, except Lane is 27. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which props yeah. to her actress, though. She really pulls it off. Yeah, she does. It's great. Back at Chilton, we have this iconic scene of this beautiful, like, woodwork hallway encasing your screen. And the bell, the school bell rings, and all the kids come running out with their little plaid skirts. And Elise, you said it reminded you of. Baby, one more time. Yeah, totally. Great. Baby spirits. Mm -hmm. But it's such like a, it's an iconic thing when like the school bell rings and all the kids coming. That's such a 90s, early 2000s shot that I felt like it needed to be mentioned. Yeah, it's a good like visual language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially because so many movies in the 90s were about high schoolers or the late 90s, I should say. We're about high schoolers, so it feels like very on brand for the timing of this episode. Uh, Rory goes to her locker and Tristan comes up and says, oh, you should decorate your locker. And Rory's like, uh, I did. And he goes, oh, well, with more than just these pictures of black and white women or whatever. And he's got two tickets in his hand. And she's like, oh, what are those? And he's like, this is these are two tickets to PJ Harvey. And she's like, oh, well, I'll give it to you. You have good taste. And he's like, yeah, we're going to go. She's like, I'm not going with you, Tristan. She's like, and he is pretty insistent that she is going to go. 
And she's very insistent that she is not going to go. And she says, you know, I'm not interested and kind of slams her locker and walks away and runs into Madeline Louise in Paris. And Madeline asks Rory if she can borrow her notes. And Rory says yes. And then they move on. The um, Madeline brings up a like made for TV movie about Judy Garland. Do you know what she's referencing there? Um, I don't. I'm not familiar. I didn't look it up yet. There was this weird phenomenon in the early 2000s where we got all of these, like, made-for-TV movies Mm -hmm. about celebrities and, like, sitcoms from, like, the 50s through, like, the 70s. Because I remember seeing a sitcom about the Brady Bunch that was very racy. And it was, like... All of them sitting in a hot tub and then like Carol, the mom, Carol, I can't remember who plays her, but she comes into the hot tub and then everyone leaves except for Carol and Greg. And they're like alluding that they had a relationship like behind the scenes and like like, all three of them, like the mom and the son had a relationship. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I'm wondering if I've heard that before, though. But yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. As okay. far as I know. Yeah, and wow. that was like a a weird thing that everyone was like interested in these behind the scenes stories of these different people in their lives, and I think because that was seen as such like a wholesome time. Mm-hmm. Where we didn't know a lot of the dirt on these celebrities. Yeah, it's not... The internet is vastly different today. Well, I feel like even even a little pre-internet, I feel like the whole like kind of tabloid celebrity culture probably started more in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when the innocence kind of wore off. Mm-hmm. So then it was just very interesting, I'm sure, to like see all these actors that you like looked up to. Right. And just be like, oh, well, they also were... Hot messes. Sometimes they were even worse than, like, you know, we know everything about the Kardashians, but at this point, what else is there left to, like, surprise us? Yeah. Whereas, like, we could find out Dick Van Dyke was, like, doing hard drugs behind, you know. Don't you ever. (laughs) I'm not. Talk about Dick Van Dyke like that. I'm not in any way implying or accusing anyone. (laughs) Just, Just an example of a very wholesome man who I'm sure is very nice. Don't you ever imply anything about him ever again. I heard Conan O'Brien refuses to donate to Goodwill. I'm just kidding. I just made I wouldn't be surprised. I mean they have that, their issues. Yeah, that could be like a Yeah, that's a bad joke, I guess. I <laughs> I heard Tom Hanks is fine. I don't what? know. I don't know. I was just just trying to keep the jab going. Yeah. Got it. Okay. My goodwill joke failed. It's okay. We can't, they can't all be winners. Oh my God. Like all of mine are <laughs> terrible, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but they are talking about now, you know, Judy Garland and how trendy it is. And she said that it's pretty dark and she didn't realize that she was so disturbed, dark, whatever. And we forget that Paris and Rory's lockers are actually right next to each other. So Paris goes to her locker to get something, and Tristan is still there with the tickets in his hand. 
and Paris is getting things from her locker and Madeline Louise asks Tristan what he has and he says oh these are tickets for a concert and Louise says well who are you going with and he says Rory Such and a schmuck <laughs> and Madeline and Louise are like oh you're going with Rory I didn't know you were dating and he goes well we are and he walks away Paris slams her locker and Madeline Louise are like, do you think she's mad? And she's like, well, are you coming or not? She's like, oh, yeah, she's mad. I just want to say I mentioned that I tend to be more sympathetic to the men on this show. Uh, That does not hold true for Tristan. I hate him on sight. (laughs) He doesn't even need to do anything. I'm already annoyed with him. But Um, what if you knew that he didn't have a great home life? Hate him. (laughs) Okay. It's it's him and Christopher, and I feel like he is Christopher. Yeah. Yeah, we've made that. He's the exact same character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just Christopher in a time machine. You don't think Logan is Christopher in a time machine? Yeah. I think... I think Logan is very similar to Christopher. Yeah. As well. I mean, I'm not a huge Logan fan either. I know that's not super popular. With Elise is getting everyone upset. Room. <laughs> For her no, I understand why people don't like Logan. Yeah. I just happen to like him. Mm-hmm. I think I think Logan's funny. I think he was uh, a fun addition. Yeah. I think to the show. I think what I. Are you going to talk more about Logan? Because we should save it. Okay. Okay. We'll save it. Because we're not, we haven't even met Logan yet. We're getting really ahead of ourselves. True. Yeah, that's like season five. (laughs) What was the thing we were just watching? Someone made a joke about how they had to like lay out pills for Judy Garland or something. Oh, we were watching Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, that's it. And I don't know if I know the three of us have watched it, but there's this moment where Martin Short is helping his son direct The Wizard of Oz. And he says, <laughs> oh, well, you can get the kids to follow the yellow brick road by laying out Skittles. We had to do the same thing with Judy Garland, but it was amphetamines. God. <sighs> Martin Short. Imagine, That's a great show, too. Imagine your podcasts. life. Imagine your life just being turned into a punchline like that. I know. It's sad. Well, it's kind of endearing, though. It means you have a legacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, On that was, happy note. There was something I was going to say. Oh, um, about Paris. Yes. Finding out this information that Rory um, is going on a date with Tristan. Mm-hmm. Or so she thinks. Do you? Th- I think that Paris, personally, is more mad at Rory I think that she's kind of over Tristan. Am I wrong? Is she still on Tristan? Or is she just mad that Rory would do something like that to her and go on a date? I think it's a little of both. Yeah, I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. Yeah. But I do also think that's interesting because I think that speaks to kind of a weird thing with women. And I'm just going to totally talk out of my element here. But just the way that, like... Girls, when they fight over boys, will get mad at the other girl for stuff that the boy does. And it's like, you know, Tristan knows how Paris feels about her, about him. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, flaunting these tickets and being like, I'm going to Rory, especially when he knows that it's not true, that it's not happening. Yeah. Well, within this scene, why I thought that maybe she was over Tristan is because she's, like, looking and putting stuff in her locker, and she's looking down, and she hears that he has a date, that he's going to go on a date. She doesn't look up, but the second that she says that they say it's Rory, her head goes up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not so much of, like, I'm not going to blame the guy. It's I think she's sitting there being like, wait, I kind of wanted Rory as a friend, and is she going to backstab me again? Mm -hmm. She already set me up for failure, kind of, with Tristan by making him ask me out on a date. So is she doing this to be mean? That's how I would take it, personally. I guess, too, they never really recovered from that. Mm -mm. We haven't seen, like, a resolution between the two of them since then. So I think for Paris, it's, like, a continuation of those hard feelings. Yeah. And this is, like, furthering, like, I was right. You, right. you set me up, and now you just wanted him all along. Yeah, you set me up for humiliation on purpose, so then you could go out with him and make me look even worse. Yeah, well, that's I mean, probably what's running in her brain. I mean, that kind of does boil down to that, too, though, is that all of these problems literally are caused by Tristan being an asshole. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but she's still in love with Tristan. And but Tristan a- isn't an asshole for taking Paris on a date and deciding they'd be better off friends. Yeah. Sure, but it's just Paris gets so in her own head about thinking that it was like a deliberate attempt to sabotage her. Sure. Yeah. Is very on brand for Paris. It's very on brand for Paris. I think that speaks more to generalized teenage insecurities than it does. I understand what you're saying where it's like a man is dating a woman and cheats on her yeah. with another woman, and then the two women hate each other instead yeah, of yes. both of the women hating Yeah, that's kind of usually how it manifests. Yeah, and I understand that dynamic that you're talking about, but I think in this situation, it also has this like little neat bow tied around it of teenage insecurity yeah. mm-hmm. to like kind of wrap it all together. Yeah, I think also, too... Yeah, I understand what dynamic you're bringing up to, but also with women, it's kind of like <laughs> a lot of times women or girls or whatever, we understand that the guy is probably going to be a dick, but if our girls are going to like, are they going to be a dick back to us? Cause like yeah. that hurts worse. Yeah. If you're like playing for that team and you're not playing for like the girls team, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of that dynamic that I'm picking up here a little bit. Cause I think at the end of the day, like Paris really likes Rory. Yeah. Like, a lot. Yeah. Do you think she's mad that Rory's going on a date because she wants Rory? Oh no. my God. <laughs> Shut no, up. in my dream world, yeah, I but think, no. I think what I'm just really happy about with this is that there's no love triangle bullcrap with Doyle. Like, okay. Like my, <laughs> Quit your season ahead of us. I don't know if I'll be on those episodes. I have to <laughs> interject now. Yeah, it's well, it kind of speaks to something in general where I think I end up liking Paris a lot more 
later on in the series than I do now. Because right mm-hmm. now I think she's just so like, yeah. I understand why she is the way she is, but she is just so insufferable. Yeah. She's hard the first season for sure. She really yeah. turns her ass around. <laughs> yeah. It takes her time, but she gets there. Mm-hmm. Back in Stars Hollow, we see the ballerinas getting ready for Swan Lake with Miss Patty and Lorelai walks by and gets not bombarded but you know called out by Rachel and she's like have you seen Luke because I can't seem to find him and I know he's been at your place and Lorelai's like oh no no he's just fixing things for me kind of implying like nothing's going on we're just he's just helping me out fixing a few things and Rachel makes it pretty clear that she has barely seen him the last few days and they were supposed to have lunch together but he didn't show and it's becoming more and more apparent that he is avoiding Rachel and Lorelai apologizes and she says, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. That's, you know, that's not fair. And if I see him, I'll mention to him, like, he needs to reach out to you. And she's like, okay, uh, that sounds good. Thanks. And we cut to Lorelai coming home. And when she opens the front door, she starts hearing this, like, rustling noise and grabs an umbrella and then ends up almost beating the crap out of Luke when he shows up and she's like how did you get in here and he's like well I came through the back door the lock was broken and she's like that lock was not broken that lock came with the house it was a good lock and he said it was a cheap lock and I was able to prove that it can be broken into by breaking into it and that's I think that was Lorelai's final straw like you would rather break in to my house then spend time with your girlfriend oh luke he's so dreamy breaking and entering (laughs) yeah no i was sitting watching this i'm like this is a huge red flag that he just broke into your house but you can it's like he get away with it and it's like so symbolic because it's like can he get away with it he I mean, does he did. Get away with he it. did. I she, mean, she's not even upset about it. I think she is upset, but it. Uh, she's not upset about him breaking into yeah. the house. She's upset that <laughs> she should be. I know <laughs> she should be, but she's upset that she is being blamed for him not spending time with his girlfriend. Yeah. That's I, what she's upset about. I just want to say for. Talking about Max not having appropriate boundaries with Lorelai. I was literally going to bring Max this up. Max <laughs> never broke into Lorelai's house. Yep. I was literally going to bring this up because it's such a, like, how she is okay with him literally breaking into her house. He has emotion. Max has problems with emotional boundaries. Luke has problems with physical boundaries. <laughs> well, and maybe it's not the men that have the problem with boundaries. It is Lorelai. Not having boundaries. Yeah. With these men. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it takes two to tango. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just interesting to me watching it and being like, yo, like that is actually a red flag behavior. I don't know anyone personally that I would be like, okay, that they just did that. 
Oh, yeah, no. Unless it's Luke Danes, I guess. It's fine. (laughs) Well, and I think he tries to get away with it by saying, you still had stuff that needed to be fixed, and this was time that I had to fix it. And he's, like, trying to brush over the fact that he was breaking and entering. (laughs) And Well, I think he got narrow-minded and thought, oh, well, if I can break into this lock, anybody could break into this lock, so I need to do this anyways. But still. He was adding to the list. Yeah. Which is another (laughs) red flag. It kind of reminds me of, in the Twilight books, there's one where Edward doesn't want Bella to see Jacob anymore, so he steals... Bella's engine from her car just takes it out without telling her so that she can't drive to go see him. And it's just played up as like a, oh, he's so protective. What a romantic gesture. <laughs> now now the foul temptress won't violate his trust. It's like, come on. <laughs> I never really took you for a, a Twilight stan. Uh, I am not a Twilight stan. <laughs> I am an anti-stan. <laughs> Those books are very messed up. Well, the books and the author. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, we can have a podcast about that next. (laughs) Sure. It's very hard, and I know Bryn is coming from a place of you you can't rag on Max and not recognize that this is problematic for Luke. And it is problematic. And he's creating more things to add to this list, so he has more reasons to avoid Rachel. And I think Lorelai, she picks up on that because she says, you need to sit down and we need to talk about this because you cannot just be breaking and entering and fixing things in my house when I'm not here. And he sits down and he says he's just having a hard time with being expected places or he says that he's always put the milk in one spot and and she doesn't do that and basically saying it's hard to share a space with someone after you've been a loner for so long and she's like I don't want to hear about the loner stuff and he's like you know like he does the speech from peewee I'm a loner daddy a rebel yeah and I can understand when you have to go from living on your own to sharing a space with someone else, there is like a, a shift that has to happen there. But if you genuinely want to be with that person, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I think for men, that tends to be a problem, too. I think men especially like having their space and like having, you know, just this is mine. And I think that's why. Like, you see, like, man caves so much, especially, like, as a trope, like, in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, like, before Amy and I moved in together, there was a spell where I was like, I want to move out by myself and see what it's like to live by myself. And that ended up not happening, (laughs) partly because of financial reasons. But once we were moved in, I think I was like, I don't, I don't think I need to see what it was like to live alone. I think I was just fine with how it ended up being. Well, and it's also, it's not like you lived with your parents the whole time. Right. You did like venture out and live. Yeah. Away from home. 
But I think with Luke, I mean, he is he is more of an inward person. Mm-hmm. I get that he likes his own space. I understand that. And there is something when you do live alone for a long time, you do get very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But what I think is interesting is that he wants to be alone, but now he's over at Lorelai's house. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not, you know, going fishing. That is, right. you're at a, another woman's who is very beautiful. You're at her place. And very clearly into you. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. I, it's just interesting for Luke, too, because, like, he basically lives in a closet. Like, he lives in a space. Like, he lives it, in it, a it, studio it was apartment. His, it was his dad's office, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's not even, like, a space that was meant for living. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's just such a man of, like, little. Practical. Yeah. He's just very practical. Yeah. He's like, I just need a bed that I can sleep on. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and it's not like Rachel is a maximalist and needs, like, a bunch of stuff. She seems happy and content with what they have. She's not trying to change him in any way. Yeah, she can't have that much because, I mean, she's traveling all the time. She's literally not space. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird because I think Lorelai sees this and she's like, okay, what is the real issue here? Because... She is fine. She is happy. She is content. But you are here instead of spending time with her there. Mm -hmm. So there's something bigger happening here. And he blames it on him being an introvert, which I can understand to a degree. Because I would say I am definitely more of an introverted person. And I like to be at home. But I'm not an introverted person that needs to be completely alone to mm-hmm. recharge. I can recharge with Bryn in the room or I can recharge with Elise in the room, whatever, but it's who can't you recharge with? Let's, I can't recharge in like a party setting. But well, I was just thinking we could like list out those people. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but I think Lorelai now is taking the role of Suki for Luke. And and asking him to really look inward and figure out like what what the problem is here. She's being Lukey. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Or Lori. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just <sighs> man. I don't know. I also see in this moment for Lorelai, this would be the kind of stuff that would make me nervous about pursuing Luke. Because mm-hmm. I'd be like, if I really like him as a friend, I don't know if he's going to be like this, this type of guy who, like, you know, gets the girl and then, you know, oh, well, I can have her, so I don't want her anymore. And not, and you not, know, and like that type, no thanks. And, like, not to give away too much, but that's kind of what ends up happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very anti-commitment mm-hmm. in the beginning because I think he's so insecure about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's anti-commitment, too, so it seems like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That would be a thing for me if I was Lorelai. Yeah, that would be a big red flag for me, too. I'd be like, because, you know, I'd be, like, fine with it, because I'd be like, okay, well, I'm attracted to you, so if it doesn't go anywhere, that's fine, because <laughs> we had fun. But <laughs> but if we're friends, it's different. Yeah. Because then it might ruin the friendship. 
That's exactly it. It's a big risk to move, to take that step from we are friends to we are now more than friends. Or we are now in a committed relationship. And, and now you're breaking into my back door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lorelai even makes a comment saying, like, you have this woman asking where you are and and looking at me like it's my fault that you're not spending time with her. Mm. And that's not okay. I feel like breaking and entering is a red flag for pursuing a relationship, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I, I fully acknowledge that that is not a great thing. I feel like... It's it's weird because he's afraid of commitment, yet I'd also see Luke as being, like, way too clingy and needing to, like, fix every, you know. I I, I can see him being clingy for a little bit, but then here's, here's there's a comfort think. level with them. Clingy though. on his own terms, you know. I don't yeah. know if I agree with that. What I think is the case, it's a very similar dynamic that we have where if there's an issue or a disagreement, I want space. Lorelai would be the one that would walk away and need space. Luke would be the one to be like, let's fix this right here and right now. And I don't consider that to be clingy. I consider that to be like, that's just how he works. Mm -hmm. But then again, him not wanting to be around Rachel is doing the opposite of what I just said. Mm-hmm. Are so, you saying we have differences in how we deal with problems? <laughs> That's a problem. I think the shift is, but that's how he would have handled it with Rachel previously. Mm-hmm. And now he sees Lorelai as that spot for him. Yeah. Lorelai is end game. Yeah. So, and I think deep down he knows that and doesn't know how to get there. And so he's kind of like doing all of these other things to get himself there without having a damn clue what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'd be breaking things all the time in my house. If I was Lorelai. I know. I'd be like, this is broken. You need to come over and fix it. (laughs) Oops. I just ripped the cabinet door off. Yeah. And we won't get to my favorite scene from this episode until part two. But when he comes to get his toolbox, oh, I love that scene. And he he leaves his toolbox. He and Max have the dick dick measuring contest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Rory is now standing outside of Dean's home and is working up the courage to go to his front door and talk to him because she didn't see him at the market. She rings the doorbell and knocks on the door and um, she rings the doorbell or knocks on the door and his sister answers the door and Rory ends up introducing herself as a Girl Scout and his sister asks where her uniform is and she says, oh, we're just trying to blend in with the regular people and whatever. And the sister looks at her and is like, 
you look like someone. You look like that girl in the pictures that Dean has in his bedroom. And she's like, oh, he has pictures in his bedroom? And she said, oh, yeah, he had a lot. And Rory's like, was it has or had? Which one was it? Because you said has, and now you said had. And she's like, I I don't know. And Rory gets, like, eye level with her and asks her what her name is. And she says, it's Clara. And he goes, you're really pretty, Clara. Now, is it has or had? And she's like, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. And she's like, well, go up to his room and check. (laughs) And Clara goes, break in. (laughs) Yeah, just break and enter. He doesn't really like me in his room. She's like, it's okay. He won't find out. And she starts crying. And then she's like, no, no, don't cry. It's okay. I'm a nice person. I'm a Girl Scout. Yeah. (laughs) And Dean in the background calls out to Clara. And Rory, like, runs away instantly. And Dean comes to the door. And he's like, what's wrong? And she goes, "That she scared me, that Girl Scout. And Dean looks and can see Rory, like, running away. Her arms are, like, flailing. I know, yeah, I was going to say. Like, the physical comedy of that is so good. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of Napoleon Dynamite, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, it, like, fades to black on Dean, like, looking out down the road. Looking at, longingly. And I'm sure confused. Yeah. Because she's, like running away and who else would be running away from their front door can i well, yeah it's her speaking of being confused how was rory dating this guy for three months and has never met his sister i think that's a lot more common than you think because i will just speak from our situation I knew your sister for like 10 years before we started dating. Yeah, but you were... So that's different. You weren't dating my sister. Well, I know, but we have a very different circumstance. I I didn't meet... I did not meet Lindsay right away, my brother's wife. I guess I'm just thinking that like Dean was over at Rory's house all the time. But we never saw Rory at Dean's house. Yeah, and I just think that's weird. I don't really think it's that weird. I do. <laughs> I Elise is like, oh no, now I have to I don't know. be uh, in the middle of this. I, I think it is odd a little bit. A little I, I bit. think just because of how seriously... It's seri- a small town. Well, and I think because of how seriously they took their relationship. Like, they had a huge, like, extravaganza three-month yeah. anniversary. Sure. And, and she had never... It's not like she had to have, like dress up dinner with her pa- with his parents but she never like popped over there once i don't know that's just that struck me as really odd watching I guess this i and don't think it's weird only because she is so consumed with school and her grandparents and i guess i would just say if she has open time he's obviously going to be more likely to go to her place. Sure. And they probably get more one-on-one time at her place yeah. than they would at his place. Yeah. It's it's like everything is logical. I just think it's weird. Well, he also said he had sisters. 
in one episode. Yeah. And it looks like he only has one. Right. One right. sister. Which was, you know what? Oh, sorry. Probably just like a throwaway line that they, they, they changed were like, their mind on later. Yeah. I was going to say, do you remember when when they broke up and Lorelai had that box and we were trying to decide yep. if that was just a Max box or an everybody box? It turns out it was just a Max box. Yep. And I'm like, how do you have enough stuff to fill a freaking box you dated that's, for like a week? That's what I was saying. It's weird that she already had a Max box. She had like a lock of his hair. Yeah. <laughs> No, he would have a lock of her hair. Let's be real. I was and just, I was just thinking earlier it'd be funny if Rory with her Dean box like took out a sweater of his or something and just like, ew, no. But <laughs> 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 but also this is going back to the has had when Lorelai was like, they had Dean and Max both had a Gilmore Girl and lost them. Uh-huh. That goes had. back to the had. Yeah, the you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder well, if that was a little intentional or not. By the I'm way, sure. I had a thought that I forgot to say in the last scene. Yeah. But it struck me because when Amy and I were watching the episode originally and she was doing her pop culture, like, recap, recount, one of the things we noticed was that the ballet that they were dancing to at the beginning of the, of the scene was Swan Lake. And we were kind of talking about, like, should that count as a pop culture reference? And I think I even made a comment where I was like, well, it could have been anything. They could have been dancing to any ballet. It just happened to be Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. Now, watching this episode, realizing how many love triangles there are happening, I think that is actually a perfect, yeah, a deliberate choice. Yep, I do, too. Well, and I think we have to give a lot of credit to Dan and Amy because... Everything on this show is a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like their writing is so well rounded and clever, especially now that they have an established town, established characters. Things are figuring themselves out mm-hmm. at this point. I think we have to give them a little more credit and that these are not happy accidents. These things are all done on purpose. Yeah, because it's also, even in that instance, it's not even like it's just you're hearing the music being played on the piano or something. That'd be one thing. But the fact that Patty has dialogue that's like, oh, no, the prince is being swept away by the black swan and you're heartbroken, you're devastated. Like, she's explaining the plot. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's like, that could apply to Rachel, her feelings about... You know, Luke is being swept up by Lorelai, but also it could apply to Max because, you know, Lorelai is being swept up by Luke. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they're both kind of on the losing end of this, like, love quadrilateral that's happening. I would argue, actually, that it would be Luke and that Lorelai is being swept up by Max. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Such a Max stan. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the yeah, I, I think that's how Max is feeling. No, yes, I mean, this, yes. this I'm just cute. giving you the business. The business. It's yeah. really cool too. Just that Swan Lake music playing. It just, it really is a nice little window into sort of the tone we're going for this episode. Well, the tone, and also this show has such a a talent for mirroring. 
everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the happenings of the town are mirroring the happenings of the people that live in the town. And everything can be, like, wrapped up in this neat bow to say, like, all of this is influential of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even the whole, like, plot with the troubadours is there can only be one troubadour. Oh, we haven't even talked about the troubadours. Luke, Luke can only have one girlfriend. Right. So we haven't even oh, touched on that. So Well, it, it it's only barely been introduced by this point anyway. Yeah, because right. we've only seen the, the first, two of them standing off. Yeah, they just other. they mm-hmm. just like gave each other the stink eye and that was kind of it. Yeah. And I think I think that's also a love triangle in and of itself, where it's like it's stars hollow and then one troubadour and the other troubadour. I think Taylor would disagree. <laughs> Or is or is it not Stars Hollow? Is it music and then the one yeah. troubadour and the other troubadour? Well, no one can touch music, but music can touch you. <laughs> <laughs> that is from a series called Regular Show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I just one last thought with the troubadours. This episode should have been called. The trouble with troubadours, but that's just me. Well, it can't be because it's called Love Daisies and Troubadours. But it could have been called that. Mm-hmm. It could. It could have. That's a nice title. Yeah, it's TT. the alliteration. This is why they needed me in the writers' room. It's also a Star Trek reference. Oh. Oh, okay. The, the trouble with tribbles. Got uh, it. Yeah. I think we've had Star Trek references. Oh, before we've had. Did, have we, I think we've had two. Have mm-hmm. we found out yet that Luke? Was a Star Trek, like, fanboy? No, boy. that's in the second season. Okay, sorry, I spoiled it. I ruined everything. I think everything. it's okay. I think we'll live. Okay. Yeah. I do, th- I, going back to what we were talking about, I do think there are very little happy accidents, very few happy accidents on this show. Um, Amy and Dan have such a way with detail in this show that really kind of pushes their characters to another level that we don't really mm-hmm. see on television. I would argue we don't see character development like this on television, on public television these days. Not it's everything not is so uh, like, often. Not yeah. like not like Riverdale where they just like make up the plots as they go. Right. Because they, did, just they not, never had like an end point in mind. Everything mm-hmm. that is well thought out to this extent is behind a paywall. Well, and like, I th- and yeah. I think because like the way we've been watching this is kind of fragmented, but it only just occurred to me now too that Rory has her own love triangle happening right now cuz Tristan is mm-hmm. she doesn't consider it a love triangle cuz she doesn't care about Tristan. Right. But you know who probably feels like the white swan now is Paris. Yep. Mhm. Rory- I can dance the black swan. Rory the black swan took away her prince. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works on multiple levels. Yep. It's genius. I'm so it glad is. you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Who wrote this? David Lynch? <laughs> Are you referencing Elisa's sweater? Well, Twin Peaks in general. Oh, okay. Got it. Oh, well, they can... are massive Twin Peaks fans. Yeah. I was going to say Aaron. You can tell. I was going to say Aaron Sorkin, too. That would... They like yeah. him as well. That would match the like the snappiness of the dialogue. Yeah. Dan mm-hmm. and Amy, like... They like good TV. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and I think it's 
reflected in this. Yeah. It's coming to, I mean, it happens in the beginning, but I feel like as we get through season one, we're finally making it into season two. It's coming to full fruition now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we're going to see that everything is very planned out for the most part. Like the show is like feeling itself yeah. pretty well here. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely in its prime at this point. And it, it took us a while to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we even talked about it episodes ago where we're like, uh, this episode feels like it's still kind of trying to figure things out. And there are other episodes that feel like that as they add new characters and new problems and situations. But this is really where we get to see all of their work in season one kind of come together to create like this ultimate situation. Yeah. And this scene in particular with Rory kind of elevates her character for the next season because old Rory from the beginning of this season would have never gotten the courage or the confidence to go after a boy. Yeah. Yeah, she's so dainty early on. I want to, yeah. It's really cool that the show kind of like hit its mark by the end of its first season too. Because mm-hmm. there are so many shows that have, like, the growing pains where, like, the first season is garbage. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. That show's, like, first two seasons are not good. A little good. rough. Yeah. Well, and that's, like, Parks and Rec, too. Everyone says, don't watch the first season. Just start with season two. Which I ignored. Oh, and... I liked the first season. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, But I think with this show, it's... <sighs> there is a level of strength... In the fact that it is not driven by drama every episode. Mm. And we even mentioned, I think in our very first episode, that what this show does well is the pacing. It's not, we don't need like a monumental thing to happen every episode to keep us coming back. Like Grey's Anatomy fell into this repetition this cycle of needing to have something dramatic happen every episode to keep people coming back for more yeah Yeah, it's almost like lost too i feel like lost changed tv in that sense it's like on grays it's like what do we do now let's have another shooting at the hospital yeah it just (laughs) this show does so well because it really leans into that small town pace that small town life and does it so well. Well, and things can't just resolve either. It's like there's a lot of arcs in this series that take the entire series to pay off. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Luke and Lorelai take the entire series to figure out who they like what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Lorelai spends the entire series repairing her relationship with her parents and still by the end doesn't quite get there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's realistic. And I think it's like... Kind of your point about, like, drama. I feel like the the things that, like, the fans of the show hate the most is when the writers did just, like, throw a wrench into things just to, like, spice things up. I mean, mm-hmm. very far in the future, but, like, April. Well, and that wasn't even Amy and Dan. It, yeah, but it was, like, just such a swerve for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh-oh, things are going too well. Let's shake things up and... You know, here here's yeah. something out of left field that the characters now have to deal with. And it's like, that's not 
that's not what the show is. Well, they knew how to subtly shake things up by like bringing Jess in. And this is like another question for me at this end of the scene where Rory comes to talk to Dean. We haven't seen Dean very much. Mm-mm. These last half of season one. Mm-hmm. So is that something, do you think that the writers were starting to realize Dean was kind of boring? Yeah, maybe. Well, and we we talked about this a little bit where we felt like they weren't sure what to do with Dean. And I think for Rory, it's not realistic for her to be with him forever. Yeah. It's because he doesn't have this and not that he has to have the same goals or ideals as her to make it work, but they come from such different places and I don't think it's realistic for her to hold on to him when she goes to Yale or, Mm -hmm. you know, like she wants so much more than he wants. She's like a Disney princess. She wants more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, now where it's the last episode. So now let's, you know, get Dean and Rory back together so we can set up a new plot device for season two Mm -hmm. personally. Well, yeah, because there's only so much you can do with them being super in love with each other before you have to cross into other territories, which I don't know would necessarily work for this show quite yet. No. And I think it's cool how you brought up Jess and how he's like woven into the show, which again, putting the cart before the horse a little but I think the thing with Dean is that he doesn't really have much to do when he's not with Rory. Yeah. Like there's just no arc for him. There's no like journey. Exactly. He's got a pretty set path with or without Rory. Whereas like Jess I think is a far more interesting character for what he does without Rory than mm-hmm. what he does with her. Mm-hmm. Like his arc has nothing to do with being with Rory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they do date for a little while but yeah, and I wonder, too, if that falls on Amy and Dan for not developing Dean enough in the beginning. Because he really wasn't supposed to last this long. I think, mm-hmm. didn't we say it was only, he only signed on for two episodes originally. So yeah. I almost wonder if the plan was, once she went to Chilton, he was out of the picture. Well, and, and, that's, he, and he kind of reminds me... And I think you guys even mentioned this. He comes off a little more like Jess earlier on, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he's like the new kid in town. You he know, he, he's good got taste in he's got similar interests books. to Rory. He can kind of like keep up with her. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like as it kind of goes more and more, he just becomes like another small town bumpkin. Yeah, and like kind of the safe settling that Rory doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to think how Amy and Dan discussed or thought about Dean. I could see them sitting down and being like, okay, so she gets the guy that's really cute, that's really into her. Okay, then what? Just act, right. like just posing that question to the audience. Is that like enough or interesting enough for someone like Rory? What happens when you get, get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and, mean, is it? Yeah, and then it's like... It's almost like they had to invent Jess as a new character because they got so far away from what Dean originally was that they were like, no, but we liked that character. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. now what if he actually had, like, trauma and these, like, angst that he had to work through? 
Well, you know, you know our tagline for Jess is that Rory manifests Jess. Yeah, yeah totally. Whereas, like, I don't... <laughs> I think they set up Dean so early on as, like, having a, nor- a pretty, like, traditional, like, background mm-hmm. that it's, like, they couldn't... There wasn't really, like, much room, whereas from Jess, right from the get-go, it's, like, this kid was not given a fair shake in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like uh, that. Is it... Because they see the dynamic between Lorelai and Luke is so good that they want to do another mirroring of this kind of relationship. Think, yep. Yeah, and the fact that he's Luke's nephew. Yeah. Because, like, they could have written him. He could have been related to anyone. He didn't need to even be related to anyone no. to come in as a character. Well, but and I wonder, too, we've talked about in previous episodes, is Jess introduced to derail Luke and Lorelai, or is Jess introduced to derail Rory and Dean? I thought I heard this somewhere that he was brought on to put a pin in Lorelai and Luke, mm-hmm. but then it just so happened to so, be that they had chemistry. So that like Luke had something else to deal with that he couldn't be with Lorelai mm-hmm. yeah. while he was, yeah. I mean, we can save that discussion because we're not even... Yeah, it's literally the next episode, isn't it? No. No. Jess doesn't come until about episode four or five. Oh, It's the Sid and Nancy episode. Gotcha. So, yeah. I think you are going to be on that episode with us because that's when your favorite scene happens. When he pushes him into the lake. I don't think that's the first... No, I think you're right. (laughs) <laughs> okay I, I, I know i'm sorry right. <laughs> i've only seen this show 17 times it doesn't compare <laughs> okay to right. the encyclopedia knowledge anyway that is where we are going to end this episode uh we are exactly at the halfway point and i think this is a good place for us to take a breather and kind of reflect on the first half before we dive into the second, the second half has all of the really big moments to end this finale on. And in the next episode, we will kind of dive into more of that. So let's get to our town meeting and wrap things up and uh, we'll take it from there. We call this town meeting to order. All right, we're going to mix it up a little bit in this town meeting. Um, Elise found these great online quizzes for um, Gilmore Girls, and I will link them in the description so you can take them as well. But we thought it would be kind of fun when we have a guest to uh, share our results. So... Uh, Elise, why don't you take it away? Okay, so the, the quiz I took was who, which character you most like of the girls. And it's the women, yeah. Of yep. the women. So my results were 80% Rory, 75% Lane, 70% Lorelai, 65% Sookie, 40% Paris, 15% Emily. Okay. Mine... I also was 80% Rory. I was 60% Paris, 70% Emily, 75% Suki, 70% Lane, 
and 60% Lorelei. So our Rory's were like the exact same. That's crazy. But our Emily's are polar opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's hear it, Bryn. I am a whopping 95% Lane. Whoa. And... That's because of your creativity and knowledge of all things movies, music, everything. And, and my over-domineering, harsh Christian parents. Not really. No. <laughs> I was going to say. My parents are great. Um, I am 80% Lorelei. Wow. Se- 75% Paris. 70% tied for Suki and Rory. And 55% Emily. So I think kind of more Yours like... Those are kind of all pretty even... Yeah, except Emily. Emily Emily's and pretty, Lane. Yeah. The rest are all pretty the same. Yeah, it's it's, it's like there's two extremes and then there's everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of surprised because I didn't think I was super like a Rory. Maybe in the sense that I like movies as much as I like books. Mm-hmm. Or her books. Mm-hmm. Her books are my movies or whatever. I would hang out with Lane. Yeah. I. <laughs> we know. <laughs> that's, that's my bar for how much I like a character. I guess that makes sense since I'm 80% Rory and you're 95% Lane. Right. What, were, what was your Lane score again? 70. Mm. 975. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. And I, yeah. My two lowest were Paris and Lorelai, which I think is interesting. I, I'm kind of, I think it's interesting it had Paris so high for me because I don't consider myself like a really high strung person, but I am driven. I think that's, that's where true. it comes yeah. from. Yeah. 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 I feel like, I don't feel like Sookie at all. And I got pretty 65%. So I don't know. I, I <laughs> love when you take quizzes like this and... There are questions that are so, like, obviously tailored to, like, one result. Mm-hmm. And for this one, it was, are you clumsy? And it's like, gee, I wonder who that's for. <laughs> yeah, I it's, know. It's like when you take one of the Harry Potter quizzes, it's like, are you brave, stupid, e- oh my God. <laughs> or evil? It's like, well, this one's ooh. a little bit better with the questions, because there's some that are very, like... Yeah, yeah like, it, the clumsy one was clearly Suki, but, like, but the it's, other it's ones... All, yeah, it's all pretty generalized. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to do which uh, Backstreet Boy we are? No. No. The other quiz we took was which Gilmore guy are we most likely to date? So, Elise, we all know who your number (laughs) one was. I'm going to start with my lowest. Okay, let's do low to high. Okay. Christopher is 45%. That was mine, too. You got 45%? That was was my lowest. He's 65, but still. That's kind of high, though. Yeah, man. 65% with Christopher? Wow. Oh, you're going to hate who he's tied with. (laughs) But go on. My second lowest is Logan, Logie Bear. Mm -hmm. Still think he's cute. And then um, Dave is 60%. Okay. Max is 65%. Jess is 80%. And Luke is 85%. Okay. You my, see, I have a type, I guess. Yeah. My lowest is Christopher with 45%. Then my next lowest is Max with, or excuse me, Logan with 55%. Oh, I have 55% too. Max is 60%. 
And then Dean and Luke are tied at 65%. Then I have Jess at 75%. And then Dave is 80%. And we haven't met Dave yet on the podcast, at least. Mm -hmm. But I do love me some Adam Brody. I think it's really funny that this quiz has Dave on it and not Zach, who she actually ends up with. (laughs) It's everyone like Dave so much. Well, and I think it says a lot about how people feel about Zach, too, which... Yeah. If you're in the fandom at all, it's not great. Yeah. If you have a functioning pair of eyes and brain, mm-hmm. it's not great. Yeah. I feel like in my 20s, Dave, my percentage for Dave would have been a lot higher. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm an older woman. <laughs> now that you're in your 30s. I've had some taste of life. I've I find myself taste more. of Dave. <laughs> no, Dave is like, he's like. Like what guy friend material for me? Yeah, but I love Dave though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love him, and I love the chipmunks he has too. Okay, just read your results. Okay, well, mind. I'll go. I'll go lowest to highest to get uh, same. So my lowest is a tie between Christopher at sixty five percent and Luke. What? So really? I guess I'm just a Lorelai. I just can't choose. They both. They're both equally valid options. Oh my god, you're main charactering yourself right now. Yeah. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the fun of it? <laughs> yes. I'll write some fan fiction later, too. <laughs> Please. Uh, Logie Bear and Dean are then tied for 70%. Wow. Max Medina and Jess are tied at 75%. Um, and I can kind of see that. I, I feel like they're actually yeah, pretty... I could see I, that. I think Jess grows up to be Max Medina. No, he does not. Okay, um, Jess grows up ma- to be a more I, well-rounded I think, and respectable Max Medina. Yeah, I, I think like a humbler Max Medina, but... And not as creepy. I think, I think like, superficially surface level, they're pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I could see something, kind of, but... <clears throat> and then uh, 90% <laughs> for Dave. 90%? Yeah, so I was 95% Lane, 90% Dave. <laughs> so what you're saying is you would love to date yourself. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe. <clears throat> I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I know you would. I would. If I were on the show, I would love to date Lane or I would love to date Dave. Okay. Great. So that's who you'd pick to date out of the show? Dave, yes. Not over Lane? No, I'd pick Lane. Okay. <laughs> I'd actually pick Kirk, but he wasn't an option. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No, uh, who's the Bootsy? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think I'd pick one of the more obscure characters, like Bootsy or Gypsy. To date? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why not? Is it is Bootsy the one that own, that runs he, the bookstore? He, yeah, he runs the magazine stand. Oh, yeah. And he's always, like, drunk. Yeah, and, and like, fighting, like, picking fights with Luke. Yeah. Over mm-hmm. stuff that happened in, like, the second grade. I was going to say Al, but I'm worried about his prostate. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we never really find out how his prostate is doing. So he's like, oh, how is Al? And oh. there's nothing. But I guess Al's pancake world is still open. So assuming Al is uh, still with okay us. in the yeah. prostate area. Well, and we all know that Babette and Maury are, like, the end game goal for... Any, any couple. Yeah, true. Like, find your Bibet, find your Mori. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think... Find your cinnamon. <laughs> find your cinnamon. Yeah. Or I, find your apricot. I keep, I keep bugging Amy to get a cat, and I want to get a boy cat named Duncan, and she's 
against all three of those. <laughs> Amy's shaking her head factors. at me, like giving me when, when we communicate I had, through I our had, eyes. I had yeah. a dream where I had a cat named Duncan, and I just ever since, I think it was telling me I needed a cat named Duncan. Oh, that's okay. kind of oh shoot. I would like if I were you, Amy. I'd be like, oh, you had a dream about it named Duncan. We have to do it. Thank you. <laughs> See, now that I explain it. Anyway, that's where we're going to end this week's episode. Uh, Bryn, can you uh, tell people where they can find you online? Yes. I So I run a theater company in Minneapolis called Albino Squirrel Productions. We are gearing up for our first full season after doing uh, pretty much just annualized summer shows uh, for the last eight years. Through Minnesota Fringe. Through, through Minnesota Fringe Festival, but this year we're starting to branch out a little more. Um, our shows are largely like pop culture parodies. Um, you know, we, we, we do kind of social justice driven shows as well. Uh, Wellstone and Minnesota Musical, uh, Zelda, um, Doug, Doug Funny from Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that type of like branding. Um, we are on Facebook, uh, Albino Squirrel Productions. We are also on the Insta, uh, Instagram. <laughs> oh my God. On the net. We're, yeah, we're on the World Wide Web. Use Netscape Navigator to find us. Let uh, me just tell you about... Firefox. Let me just tell you about... I use Firefox. Bryn creating an Instagram account. I have been hounding him for the last, like, four productions to make an Instagram account. And he just did. And then he's posting multiple pictures. He posted one picture multiple times. And I was like, <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. And then I was like, you're not going to get any interaction because you're not putting hashtags. And he's yeah. like, what? And I was like, you need to go in and edit all of these posts and add hashtags to them. And he, like, made a reel and he was like, watch my reel. I just made this. You know, like, when your grandparent gets on Facebook and, like, thinks that, like, <laughs> writing a status is the same as, like, private messaging you? That's kind of where I'm at on Instagram right now. It's yeah. It, it was a little after my time, mm-hmm. so I'm just yeah. like he has myself. a personal account, but there is nothing on it. I mean, yeah. it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, if you've no, already done Facebook, I, it's I, like, I think I'm. I think I'm getting the hang of it. But yeah, I just like to roast him from time oh, to time. Of course, you know? yeah. I'm working uh-huh. on my second reel now, so look forward Ooh. to that. Yeah, and so you can find him at Albino Squirrel Productions on Instagram and on Facebook. And they currently have a GoFundMe for their next season. Yep. So the link for that is in the bio of Albino Squirrel Productions. Which Jamie sh- had to show me how to do. So that's mm-hmm. on Instagram. So. That's on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And you can find us at underscore growing up Gilmore underscore on Instagram, on TikTok, on Pinterest, all of the above. Uh, we will be posting part two of this episode next week so you won't have to wait in between uh we're kind of toying with doing some fun episodes that are not recap style but we'll fill you in on those as we go and we're still working on a visual component but we're just taking our time getting there because we just like talking so much and that's more fun than having to get ready for a camera (laughs) I mean, it is we'll Gilmore. It is Gilmore Girls. What would it be if not just 
talking. Endless talking. Exactly. I can talk really fast. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for part two of season one, episode 21, Love, Daisies, and Troubadours. Woo! Bye.